1: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in South Lake Tahoe. That city is on edge as the Caldor fire moves closer. The fire has burned 177,000 acres and is just 14% contained by firefighters. South Lake Tahoe Mayor Tamara Wallace joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us under these circumstances. Why don't we begin by having you walk us through which parts of your town are under evacuation warnings and are any parts of your town currently under evacuation orders? Currently,
2: the entire city limits are under evacuation warnings. None of our city is under evacuation mandates.
1: And how is the community preparing for this? I mean, you all live in an area that is known to be prone to fire, but it must be challenging to have to actually confront the possibility of it coming into the town, of that fire coming to the town.
2: Uh, Yes, it's never a good thing when wildfire comes to your town. However, in general, we prepare for it regularly. We have defensible space requirements um that we go through we always try to encourage our residents to have a go bag ready but today and every day leading up to today for the last week uh, we've asked everybody to have several days of medication ready we've asked everybody who has had medical issues especially with regards to breathing to leave town if they could because our air quality has been absolutely horrible, way up in the 500 AQI. So now we're just in, for those of us who have stayed through that, uh, we're just waiting for the mandates to come through because I'm fairly certain that they will within the next 24 to 48 hours.
1: They'll be mandating orders, evacuation orders? I believe so. I live on the
2: southwestern end of town, so I'm only about two and a half miles, maybe less, from where the last mandate line is. So I would
1: imagine that our, that line will move soon. What has the communication been like from local officials to residents? We're seeing videos on social media of this happening, unfolding in real time. And it sounds like, you know, compared to years past, it seems like there's an urgency in terms of, you know, maybe you're not under an evacuation order right now, but you really should think about getting out anyway. That seems to be the message.
2: Absolutely. I have lived through several fires in this community. The Emerald Fire was in 2016. The Angora Fire was in 2007. And I believe the Gondola Fire was in 2002. And those fires were in the basin. The Angora Fire... Uh, was only just a m- couple of miles from where I'm sitting right now, and we lost 254 homes in that fire, and it was never even a consideration for us to evacuate our community at that time. But fire behaves a differently right now. In our current climate, with drought conditions being what they are, after what we saw happen in the town of Paradise, uh, we... Now, no fire behaves differently. It moves at a much faster pace. We have more dead trees in our community and in all forests. And so, this is a much different situation than those previous fires that we have all lived through here in our community.
1: And earlier, you were telling me about your own family, your own experience, and your kids. How are all of you doing? Well, actually, um, I have five
2: children. Four of them are grown. Three of the adult children uh, live here in the community. Two called me in the middle of the night and said, Hey, mom, we're leaving, and we are just, we're too nervous to stay in town, and so we're leaving. And I encouraged them to do that. They live even closer to the um, mandate line than I do, and I encouraged them to leave like I would any member of my community. If you feel too nervous to be here then, and you have the means to do so, you should leave as soon as possible. There's no need to stay in the community and just be upset and be nervous. Get off the hill, get out of here if you can. And that way, the more people that leave sooner, there's fewer people to get out when the mandates come through.
1: All right. Well, we are wishing you and your family and your community a safe evacuation if it does come to that. Tamara Wallace is the mayor of South Lake Tahoe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. Over the weekend, the remains of U.S. military personnel killed by a suicide bomber outside of Kabul's international airport arrived at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. That attack was especially devastating for one military base here in California. My California Report colleague Saul Gonzalez has more. Saul?
0: Lily, 13 members of the U.S. military were killed in the Kabul attack. Ten of them, nine Marines and a Navy sailor, were stationed at Camp Pendleton, the sprawling Marine Corps base in North San Diego County. The attack was the largest mass casualty incident involving personnel from Pendleton since the U.S. war in Afghanistan began in 2001. Four Marines from California were killed in the attack. They are Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22 of Indio, Lance Corporal Karim De Cooey, 20 of Norco, Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20 of Rancho Cucamonga, and Sergeant Nicole G. 23 of Sacramento. Another Marine, Utah-born Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover, 31, lived in the Orange County community of Aliso Viejo. Major General Roger Turner, Jr., the commander of the 1st Marine Division at Camp Pendleton, said military personnel who died in the attack did so while performing a heroic mission. And let's also remember that nearly 200 Afghans were killed in the same suicide bombing and hundreds more were injured. Lily?
1: That's an important point. Thank you so much, Saul. That is the California Report. Saul Gonzalez. Turning to politics, more than eight in ten residents of Imperial County east of San Diego are Latino. That's the highest percentage in the state. The county along California's southern border also saw the state's largest voting swing between the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections in favor of Republican Donald Trump. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzorati traveled there to see what the shift could mean for the September 14th recall election against Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom.
3: On a sweltering Saturday morning in El Centro, most shoppers outside a local supermarket were more concerned about their ice cream melting in the triple-digit heat than the recall election. Those who knew voting is already underway, like teacher Rosalba Jepson, had mostly made up their mind in one direction.
0: Yes, get rid of him.
3: This last year has been hard, says Jepson, who thinks Newsom didn't go through struggles like she did. Adjusting to distance learning on the fly.
0: You Nobody know, paid me that extra time, and then he's enjoying all this. So, I, you know, I, I just don't think he's a good leader.
3: Polling suggests that Newsom faces two big hurdles to remain in office: one, Democrats are less tuned into this election than Republicans, and two, Latino voters like Jepsen are not falling in lockstep with the Democratic Party's no campaign. Those dynamics are on display in Imperial County, where 85% of residents are Latino.
1: We are a border region, and so really that colors the way that we view our politics.
3: Steven Mireles is with the County Republican Central Committee.
1: We have families that are here, but we have family in, in Mexico.
3: He says a key reason that Trump cut his margin of defeat by 17 points last year was his focus on the border. And we certainly saw that in terms of the money that was coming into the region to kind of secure our border,
1: upgrade our fencing.
3: Hiring more border patrol workers and upgrading technology means jobs and easier cross-border commutes in Imperial County. And I
1: think that that was one of the issues of many that Trump spoke towards that really motivated voters that hadn't voted Republican or maybe even hadn't voted in many
3: years. Trump also showed up. In 2019, he paid a visit to El Centro and Calexico.
0: So behind us is the wall. It's the new wall. We've done a lot of it, and we're doing a lot more. Local
3: GOP organizers like Daniel Flores were able to use Trump's visit to network. People that were present to show the support for President Trump
0: when he arrived, people came up, followed up, they signed up to volunteer, and we got them more engaged.
3: To be clear, Imperial County is still overwhelmingly Democratic. The party has a nearly 30-point registration advantage. But while Republicans have momentum, Democrats here have a turnout problem. The share of registered voters who cast a ballot was the lowest of any county in California in both 2018 and 2020. I think one of the, the biggest uh, barriers would be a language barrier. Yomar Aguilar helped start the nonpartisan group via Vota last year to educate and engage voters. It wasn't anything easy, it was no easy feat because if
0: you're a parent and you, you're not fluent with English and you have to work more than 40 hours a week, the last thing that's going to be on your mind is... How do I register to
3: vote? And now comes the recall election with its own barriers. It's a unique ballot in an off year, and groups like Valle Vota are trying their best just to catch up. Right now, most people don't even know what the recall is about. That's Raul Ureña. He won a seat on the Calexico City Council last year at age 23 with 70% of the vote. Ureña spoke to the pain of residents in Imperial County, which has the state's highest rates of COVID deaths and unemployment. Just the content of the message that people are suffering, it really spoke to um, the fact that they they did want to change in leadership. In this recall, Newsom can't promise change. So to win over constituents like his, Ureña says the governor needs to remind voters of the recall campaign's original emphasis on immigration. After all, if you look at the recall petition, the very first complaint against Newsom is that his policies, quote, favor foreign nationals. It's not about COVID, it's not about stealing money, it's the proponents of this measure think that Governor Newsom is helping illegal immigrants too much and all of this racist uh, rhetoric that is coming out. And Dureña says the governor should come visit. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati in Calexico.
1: And that is the California Report for this Monday, August 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Dramali. Thanks for listening.
3: Support for the California Report comes from SFMOMA, presenting the exclusive US exhibition of Nam June Baek, a visionary global artist to bridged art, music, performance and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org. California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org/voices. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors,
3: journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast
0: from WHYY and NPR.